Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People, the podcast, really features me interviewing people who are navigating herpes stigma, from people who were diagnosed, people who date people who have herpes, mental health professionals, therapists, sex therapists, public health professionals, anyone who can really give us insight to what it means to navigate the stigma of herpes so that we can get those perspectives and allow for ourselves to just see different sides of how people go through this so that you have the option to choose from and how you want to move forward through it, right? Uh, today's guest is Kit, and Kit uses they, them pronouns, and Kit, you, um, I don't know if you have any other, like, introductions that you would want me to do, uh, do you... Um... I think that that's that's a really good start. I'm I'm queer, I'm polyamorous, so I've got kind of like quite a broad look on life. Okay. Neurodivergent as well, so I think a lot of what I do is like stepping outside the binaries. So okay. it's probably a good introduction. <laughs> well, uh, the accent. So where are you located? Um, so I'm in the Midlands in England. Okay. All right. So. Um, you said neurodivergent. That word has been surfacing a lot. Or at least for me over the last year and I don't think I had really heard it before can you tell me like what that means yeah I think like it works as a good um kind of catch-all for like a different lot of different kinds of um neurodivergencies so I think some of it kind of you can have things like ADHD autism um oh. pretty sure PTSD comes under that um I think personality disorders come under that as well so it's anything that really kind of like sets your like your neurotype um as being divergent from what is typically seen as like the default or norm but i think like it's becoming more and more apparent that a lot of us are neurodivergent so maybe it's not as different as we think um for me it catches that i have adhd um i'm autistic um i have learning and processing difficulties um, and I have CPTSD, so it's kind of, for me, it's a helpful way to kind of catch all of those things together, and then I can go into more detail if it comes to it. Okay, so it doesn't mean mentally ill or traumatized. It just encompasses, like, I don't, I don't want to use that phrasing if that's not what we're saying, because the way that you just described it, I think about how I would have referenced this in the past, is like, oh, m- mental illness to some degree is that accurate or no i think it it can they can align and often you'll find like you know people may struggle with their mental health because of these reasons because of being autistic or having adhd or learning difficulties and and you know i don't know how much you know about cptsd but that's complex complex ptsd right complex post-traumatic stress disorder yeah that's correct i know a little bit about that yeah yeah, so you would, like, those are referred to as being neurodivergent, and but they kind of, it isn't, neurodivergent isn't necessarily, like, a synonym for, like, having mental health issues, but okay. commonly, if you're neurodivergent, you probably also do have, like, difficulties with your mental health, if that makes sense. Okay, all right, because I do notice that the people who have um, identified with being neurodivergent, uh, 
they require certain types of communication that works best for them. Um, the ADHD thing, you know, I knew someone who just couldn't be on time for anything. So my accommodation for that was tell you this time, knowing that I had an hour of wiggle room and maybe we'd get there a few minutes late. <laughs> and that was just how I chose to navigate that friendship. Um, a friend of mine who uh, has CP CPTSD as well, you know, I know that certain conversations are in fact going to likely trigger this person, but I also know where they are in their healing process. So I can ask questions or have conversations in a way that guides it in a way that she's comfortable with. So yeah, I, I, I guess I see it as it's something that can be understood. It's just not, like you said, the default, right? So if I sit down and I have like a logical conversation with someone about a thing, the way that they hear things could be different than how I'm saying them and vice versa. So uh, I guess with people who are neurodivergent, like I, I guess I don't, it, it doesn't resonate for me. I know I learn better when I listen to a thing and I'm able to like see it in practice like if I see something happen a few times I should be able to go and do it and maybe some people need to sit and read some people may need to engage with it some people may need to be talked to about it so yeah. all right thank you for clarifying that for me you're welcome all right so uh now that we've talked about everything but <laughs> what we're here to talk about um, well, connected in a way isn't it always sometimes <laughs> yeah um I noticed that you you have hobbies there is a particular hobby that I'm thinking of. Uh, the hula hoop. Do you do the hula hoop thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, so hula hooping, but um, I kind of it extends to like a few different practices within that. So a lot of us call it like flow arts because it's very much about like flow state. Um, or some people refer to it. I think it depends on where your practice comes from and what you're where you're going with it. But it also kind of falls under circus arts as well. So kind of, yeah, big on the hula hoop, though. It's okay. my favorite one. <laughs> Does that help you at all with uh, any neurodivergent things, like uh, with having ADHD? I know that with ADHD, people tend to struggle with focusing on long tasks, and there's other things as well. But for you to be, for the, you to have this hobby, I wonder is do you have this hobby because you have ADHD, or does having ADHD make having this hobby like helpful? I think a bit of both really like myself and a lot of people I know with ADHD tend to have like quite a few almost like cyclical passionate sort of hobbies so like you can you can come in and out of them quite frequently so I find that with like the hoop and my other kind of um like flow toys but also arts and poetry and that sort of stuff I'm kind of constantly cycling through things so I think that adds to the passion because I also get like, like quite a lot of dopamine out of those sorts of things which obviously like ADHD you're quite dopamine deficient so you get quite a lot of dopamine out of those activities it's something that I can then stick with for longer and it's also like a really good kind of regulation tool you know and like being able to express your emotions and kind of ground yourself um, it's the sort of thing that like no matter how long it's been like I always come back to it and it's always something that whatever a state I'm in it's like a it's a helpful thing and it's just it helps me feel free as well yeah. which is a really nice feeling that's a really good segue into speaking about um, herpes now because one of the things that I talk to people about when they reach out 
uh, is I try to remind them who they were before they got their diagnosis. You know, I think it's important for us to be grounded and connected to what, you know, what fueled us, what ignited us, you know. And for so many people, sex is often what they look at. They're like, sex is what grounded me. Sex is how I connected with people. Sex, 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 right? Yeah. But how you just identified, you know, many you, you mentioned being queer, you mentioned being polyamorous, uh, these were two things that were in the sex realm. You mentioned being neurodivergent, which I know that that influences sexual relationships uh, to whatever extent they do. But when we look at you know the importance of having a thing that you can come back to, uh, you talked about like the dopamine that comes from it. Like these are all things that people can look at aside from oh my god I have herpes my life is over when really what they mean is that their sex life is just going to be influenced differently. So my first question would be um, coming from, you know, you you have herpes as well. So hula hooping as an expression of your passion, creativity, getting dopamine. Can you talk to me about how this might compare to your relationship to sex at all? Um, in a way, it's kind of almost <laughs> currently the opposite of my relationship to sex in that it's something that I can kind of quite easily dip and out, in and out of, and it's something that really fills my life up. The, the, the hobbies that I have, you know, the hula hooping, the dancing, poetry, like, you know, just all, all sorts of kind of quite passionate things. Um, I think I'm also very fortunate to have those things in my life because unfortunately for me like sex has been quite a a difficult thing especially over the past couple of years kind of between mostly kind of related to trauma and stuff really um so it's I've been quite kind of yeah I guess fortunate to have all these other really enriching sort of things in my life so it's a lot I I guess easier for me to cope with having a, a disconnected relationship with sex although I definitely say that I miss it being one of those free sort of hobbies almost like I, I miss kind of anything sex related being something that's done freely you know did you call sex a hobby <laughs> <laughs> it was at one point okay well yeah I'll, I'll let you finish it we can we can keep talking more about that because I, I I find that you know what we look for through sex is something sometimes we can get in other ways we just don't see it that way because we've only seen ourselves getting this sense of connectedness and satisfaction and all of those things because of, and and I don't even want to say sex, let's call it intercourse because that's typically what most people mean. I'm not going to be able to insert penis into vagina. And I think that that's where so much of the issue is, is this one dimensional idea of what sex has to look like. So when you call it a hobby, like talk to me about that. Well, it's something that I think especially being queer and being uh, non-monogamous and having kind of like that sort of approach to things and also having trauma, like it's it's led me to kind of approach sex and intimacy in a very like broad sort of sense. Um, Like you say, like the very kind of, I suppose, traditional um, like cis heteronormative sort of idea of sex is, yeah, penis and vagina and 
there's a lot of people who get their idea of sex from mainstream porn at times which can be a bit confusing um <laughs> so as i'm sure you know um so a sex as a hobby i mean if there's a couple sides to it for me where um i actually used to do um like online sex work um so that was kind of like you know webcamming and content creation and that sort of stuff so did at you, that time, that's a hobby. Was it was it solo? Just for clarity, was it solo? Because I know there, there's a difference between camming and let me not say the language, but I know that there are different tiers, I guess, of yeah. online sex work. So the solo stuff or with partners, with penetration, those kinds of things. Are you comfortable with sharing like how in depth you got into it or no? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with okay. that. Really, it's kind of. It's, it's something that I feel passionately about the idea of it being like destigmatized and it being a little bit more normalized, really. Um, if you can repeat the question, this is my yeah, ADHD is just throwing all that information out my brain. So. <laughs> no, because uh, I, I, I guess I didn't really ask one uh, aside from are you comfortable with talking about it, but did yeah. you have sex on camera? Occasionally. I mean, for me, it was more solo focused, but if there were times where I was seeing somebody and they could kind of be brought into it or we could do it together, there was like, there was appeal for that because, you know, some people like to see two people together. Um, but predominantly for me, it was, it was something that I quite enjoyed doing just myself um, and kind of, yeah, like I started off doing kind of whatever came my way, basically, you know, when you've got to make money, you've got to make money. And I was very when you're new to it I think you're possibly willing to take on quite a lot um but as time went on I kind of found my own groove with things and figured out what I was comfortable with what I wasn't kind of um and more more and more comfortable really in the kind of like BDSM and kink aspect of it because that's something that I found actually quite healing at times um and I've actually found it quite like it's very um, special and kind of very sacred to have somebody trust you with them in that sort of vulnerable way. So that's kind of where I ended up predominantly doing kind of um, solo kink sort of content, really. Okay. So sex is a hobby. We're speaking outside of the context of exclusively intercourse because you mentioned kink and BDSM as well. And you mentioned having trauma as well. So how... I know that it has, but how has kink and BDSM helped you through the trauma and the complexities of your existence and all of these different identities? It's kind of had a few different, like from a few different angles, basically, where one is kind of helped to embrace that aspect of um, intimacy, not having to have anything to do with genitals necessarily, which has helped me a lot. Um, things like sensory play and this idea of kind of um, being able to play with each other and, and I like the word play as well because we get a lot of people talk about foreplay and that kind of suggests that it's only just to come before sex um, but actually the idea of play is just you, you, you know you get to play with each other and play with each other's senses basically um, and having that alongside um, it, it, I'm kind of I've not been in this position for a little while now. It's been it's been a hot minute for me, but previously being in kind of scenes where I could be taken to quite an intense point with somebody that I was playing with, and the second I said this is too much for me or I need this to stop, it was over, and there was you know 
being being cuddled and being looked after and being given whatever I needed and all of this kind of idea of aftercare as well and and how healing that was to experience a situation where you could go through potentially like really degrading things and then it's all fine and you're still kind of in you brought that back down to reality and reminded that that's play and that's not like someone genuinely mistreating you and I think that was quite a a force for me taking my own power back in a way and kind of realizing that I'm in control or I should be in control and um, anyone that's kind of worth spending that kind of intimate time with is going to keep the control in my hands and it doesn't matter whether you're you're submitting or you're dominating like there's always an element of control in the subs hands and that was something that was really quite like groundbreaking for me at the time that I experienced it I think and so that that really helped a lot and then like I say the idea that you can you can really kind of I don't know like push people's buttons and have your buttons pushed you know and none of this this could all be done with your clothes on you know yeah that's been like a really powerful thing when it comes to like intimacy and sex for me I mean, I've seen, heard about people getting the shit beat out of them and loving it. And then being on the other side of it, beating the shit out of somebody and loving it. But with yeah. that, that it's almost like there's always the uh, escape pot to where you can end whatever is happening. If you yeah. are someone who's beating the shit out of somebody, something may even come up for you. You know, they may... Yeah respond in a certain way regardless of how much pleasure they're experiencing that can set you off and when you're in that alarmed state fight flight freeze fawn whatever state you re whatever your reaction is to a traumatic event you know you might check out and continue yeah. to go past the limits like so much harm can be done but what the consciousness of coming into kink and BDSM in a way that's like, all right, you know, I know that this is something I like. I know that this is something I don't like. I know that this is something I'm curious in allows for you to connect with people who are capable of and willing to articulate what the mutual needs are or what the desires yeah. are and be able to, like you said, play because there's yeah. a lot of needs that we have that are not just sexual needs. And pleasure is not exclusive to the use of genitals and orgasming. While that may be the consistent feeling of pleasure that we know, like I said, somebody getting the shit beat out of them, may that may be like better than orgasm to them in terms of pleasure. Someone being tied up and left in a room to just sob endlessly, you might be like, oh my God, something's wrong with them. I need to save that person. But you leave them in there for the time that you agreed upon and then you let them out. They're going to be so fucking grateful and thankful. Yeah. Like, I, I ain't going to talk about my personal experiences, but <laughs> situations where there have been people where um, things have been done where I'm like, whoa, that was like... I thought I was hurting you, but in fact, it's I'm giving you pleasure. I thought that like me talking to you in this way would like make you cry in a way that might have made you want to go kill yourself. But in fact, yeah. it's like there is so much gratitude for a person to go through the process of vulnerably 
asking for a thing that they want that is probably not traditionally, you know, what they would get. Like, I, I'm used to sex, you know, just intercourse, penetration. So when you come to me about some pleasure, I'm thinking sex. Like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get my dick wet. But <laughs> there's much more to it. And, like, the pleasure can come from maybe getting my dick wet, maybe keeping clothes on right yeah so there's all of this exploration to be done and here's where i want to bring it back um that is not exclusively tied to our ability to merge genitals with another person it goes so much more beyond that and the whole thing with having herpes is that it doesn't restrict you from all of those things i think that it sort of adjusts your knob a little bit to where yeah. you're able to look in a different direction that you otherwise may not have looked into for yeah. pleasure and for connecting with people yeah it can definitely help you get a little bit more creative and kind of approach things a little bit differently yeah. I'll, I'll definitely i'll give it that like <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good point to plug our sponsor, Shameless Care, uh, Shameless Healthcare. So if you go to the link that'll be in the episode notes, you can get a free or not free. Wow. You can get an at home STI test kit because we're on the topic of kink and BDSM and non-monogamy. People might be going into play parties or swingers events and you'll want to know what your status is. So uh, if you check out the link, you will see a link to shameless care slash SPFPP. Or if you're listening and want to type in it, shameless care slash SPFPP. Or I'm sorry, shamelesscare.com slash SPFPP. You can tell I don't do this a lot. <laughs> uh, I, so I previously recorded podcast episodes for like nine weeks out and then I was approached by this podcast sponsor um, and he, he recently asked he was like hey you know how, how's the campaign going I was like oh I haven't been able to put an ad into a new podcast episode but this is one of our sponsors if you want to support something positive you can order an online at home STI test kit by the time this one goes out Um, For anyone who's listening, you'll also be able to get ED medication, um, erectile dysfunction medication. So you can use the code SPFPP for that too. And um, the podcast episode that we did, I forget which number it is, but if you want to learn more about how the ED medication is used, because I learned a few things as well that, you know, some people show up to parties and they're maybe a little bit shy and they could just use a little, pop that little pill and get, get at it. But Anyway, yeah, link will be in the episode notes as well as uh, you can use SPFPP at shamelesscare.com in order to support something positive for positive people and know what your status is. All right. You reached out to me originally to record this podcast episode about something completely different. I am so glad that we've been able to talk about what we have to this point. And honestly, like I want to come back to it, but I want to yeah. make sure that you get to share the the positive interactions that you mentioned that you were having lately. So I'll, I'll leave the floor open for you to share and then I'll just jump in when you stop talking. Sounds good. So yeah, it's been quite a bit of a journey. It kind of originally started, I want to say, oh, I think it was mid 21 so it's been it's been a couple of years I suppose already but I was kind of I was seeing somebody who was positively diagnosed and um, I was polyamorous at the time so you're kind of not only working out like what are you okay with but potentially what are your other partners going to be okay with 
you kind of getting involved with with other people, especially when it comes to things like herpes, um, particularly as I'm not sure exactly what it's like over in America, but here they will not test you for it on the like sexual health services unless you have um, symptoms. So um, I was dating somebody who was positive, and at the time I was like, that's fine. I looked into it. I was just okay with just going forward with things as we were basically. Um, because I'd kind of seen the statistics and it was a kind of moment of, well, it's quite common really and so many people have it and don't even know about it. I might already have it anyway, kind of took it on board and, you know, we carried on as we were. And I actually found out about my diagnosis when I I had a slip up and I ended up, I was, I was drunk and ended up sleeping with somebody and I kind of woke up the next day like, oh, I didn't diagnose and I didn't disclose even and kind of really feeling really guilty about it particularly as I've done so much to work on kind of consent and informed consent and it's so important to me as an individual and within the communities that I've been in I work up there and I thought I felt awful I felt absolutely awful um but obviously I wasn't able to get tested because I didn't have any symptoms so I actually ended up going to a private clinic and paying a fair bit of money um, to find out. And it turned out at the time that I, I did have herpes, but not the strain that the previous person I'd been with had. So I must have had it from some other point in my life. Um, and from there, I had one conversation with the person I'd slept with just at that point. And I was so nervous because it was the first time. And also, you know, I still I felt super super guilty about not having had the conversation with him beforehand um so we had a conversation again he was really good about it he was really understanding and kind of really quite calm about the whole thing and meanwhile I'm like the other end of the phone like jittering and shaking a little bit out of nervousness um and kind of so I've come away from that and I'm not not been in that relationship anymore and I've actually been taking a bit of a break for myself for you know healing reasons and kind of you know trying to get as right with myself as I can at the moment um but after that I like I've got a really good friend who things are quite ambiguous with us and that's <laughs> that's something we're gonna have a conversation about soon and he'll probably hear me talking about this when I send him the podcast um so <laughs> all nice things to be said um but <laughs> but we um yeah we've got quite an ambiguous relationship and we're working that out um and we've kind of like it was kept pretty chill because I'm quite heavy in my CPTSD lately so I wasn't really interested in getting intimate with anybody for a long time and it took me a while to even be comfortable kind of having cuddles and stuff like that so it's all been very very slow and He's been really, really kind of patient with me, which has gone a long way. Um, but it got to a point eventually where we kind of been like fooling around a bit and I'd like messaged him when he left, kind of saying like, oh, I would have loved to have like made out and whatever, but um, can I talk to you about this basically if you've got a minute? And I had kind of taken on board a lot of the stuff that I'd seen um, on the Something Positive for Positive People Instagram around kind of like <laughs> amazing resource by the way absolutely fantastic um and i've taken a lot they said on it, not me yeah it's true it's true um i've taken like a lot on board kind of somewhat by osmosis almost like just taking in the posts but this idea of like 
not being ashamed of it, it not being like a, oh, by the way, like, I'm really sorry, but I've got this thing wrong with me, and like, will you still please love me, sort of thing. Like, it's it's something that I see more and more of, like, yes, I have herpes, and yes, I'm hot. There's no, like, but or despite. It's like those two things can live alongside each other. Um, and, yep, when I spoke to him about it, and I kind of... I gave him a little bit of info to go off and, you know, said that he's obviously welcome to look into it for himself. And it was almost like a anticlimactic reaction. I was like, again, like a bit nervous, but trying to be trying to be strong and, and confident about it. And um, he was kind of like, yeah, basically it's fine. Like that's the one that's really common, right? So, you know, I probably have it, you know, so it's all good. And it's kind of like, oh, all right. Like I'm working myself up about all of this, but like, the reactions so far have been like really kind of almost like subdued and positive. Um, so that, that was like, okay, my good first kind of like look into what it's like disclosing when I'm kind of in my bit more of like self-love era, you know, trying not to apologize for myself um, and trying to kind of like step into my power in life. And that was like, okay, cool. And I thought, do you know what? I don't have to worry about doing this very much because I'm, trying to live my my solo life at the moment I'm trying to not get involved with anybody as it is um until I recently kind of went to this like queer event and it was like it's like a camp out just full of like queer polyamorous people um not everyone is but you know it's kind of a lot are um and kind of again just like feeling really in my element a lot of neurodivergent disabled like chronically ill queer polyamorous like gender queer just like an absolute like fantastic place to be um and I kind of went there with very low expectations about getting involved with anybody because I was like no I'm I'm good like um I don't think I'm ready at the moment um oh I know where <laughs> this is going what's that I know where this is going yeah <laughs> so um I was wrong um so <laughs> um so yeah, so I went there, I was kind of, yeah, low expectations, like it's chill. There were some 18 elements, like 18 plus elements to the event, but it was all, again, beautiful atmosphere to be in, especially as someone who's working through their trauma, very consent-focused, consent, consent workshops leading up to the event online, consent workshops at the event, um, a Kid, lot of... How old are you? Uh, 26. Oh, I, I got to stop doing that. I keep assuming that everyone is like right around my age. All right. <laughs> um, Consent workshops leading up to the yeah. event. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Um, well, when you said you said 18 plus, I was like 18 plus. I was like, oh, you're younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like because there were elements of the event that kids could go to, so they had to do shout out to the team as well absolute shout out to the team running it because they had to do so much work not only just on this but clearly on this to keep areas separate and have certain rules and boundaries around like using certain areas um you know making it so as many people as possible age or not like you know you've got asexual people and or you know people who are traumatized all sorts of people all sorts of walks of life are going to want all sorts of things um, so they worked really, really hard on that, which was amazing. Um, 
so yeah I went to that and yeah initially I'm thinking like yep not gonna you know I'm aware cuddle piles are a thing but I'm not sure I'm ready and I'm aware there's like non-sexual kink sessions but like you know I'm just gonna keep it chill um and actually like I went and the first kind of day or so I was quite nervous I was quite shy um people were really friendly but I was like okay I'm gonna stay on stay on the edge a little bit um but it was just such an environment to be really like feeling welcome and just kind of feel a little bit free and um I kind of ended up um like they had non-sexual kink session in their 18 plus tent and again that's something that I've like almost taken a a hiatus from kind of I've just I've been very kind of yeah disconnected from all that and I had like a really iconic moment where um, people like wanted spanks, and so it kind of ended up with about five or six people lined up, kind of at the end of the tent, like butts in the air, and I'm I'm having the time of my life, um, and you know giving out spanks and stuff, um, absolutely fantastic experience. Um, but outside of that, like there were a couple of times where people I'd interacted with, and you know you get those little flirty moments, but like. A lot of us are queer and a lot of us are autistic. So trying to tell when someone's flirting with you or sending you signals is it's hard work. It really is. Like <laughs> it's it's so difficult. So I'm kind of like having these nice moments with people and I'm like, I have no idea like what this means. Um and at one point someone comes up to me and says like this is an explicit like invitation to a cuddle pile later if you want to or if you want to come for any cuddles, like just so you know, this is explicit because they'd overheard me saying like I need to be invited in like a vampire because otherwise like I just won't know that someone's inviting me to something. <laughs> so they invited me and they also said like, you know, um, I can't remember how they phrased it exactly, but basically that um, they're open for some kisses basically. And I said like, that would be really nice, but there's something I'd like to talk about with you first, like kind of before that. Um, so I kind of like, again like moving into this like non-apologetic kind of more confident just just told them like you know I have HSV I have herpes um you know I'd, I'd like to kiss you but like I need you to know that first and then you can make your own decisions based off of that um and at the time they had said like I'm not put off at all let me just think about it a little bit and you know kind of you know there are also ways we can work around that um and there are things we can do differently if it comes to it and you know this really nice approach of just like I feel like I'm being met in the middle you know like not kind of I've had a lot of relationships where I'm admittedly probably a bit of my own problem but dragging people by their heels a little bit um so being coming into contact with people who meet you halfway has been so refreshing um and so yeah we had that conversation and they gave me a few like kisses on the cheek instead and you know they said they'd have a little think about it and um there came another point where somebody else I was talking to had also said like hey I'm open for some they were all calling it smooches so that's kind of stuck with me now but so hey I'm you know I'm open for some smooches if you are um and I said again like I'd like that but I need to talk to you about something first before you know that happens um and they were again like really really like friendly and comforting about it and we went away and we had a quick chat and they were like oh yeah okay that's fine like they they've done stuff to do with like sexual health before and they know quite a lot about it already from the sounds of it and 
again, it was kind of almost like a anticlimactic moment of just them being fine with it and already having their own resources around that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, things went on and I ended up getting a lot of kisses and cuddles. And it was like a really, it was such a like queer polyamorous moment, kind of being in like a cuddle pile and having cuddles from both sides and like loads of kisses and cuddles. And it's just like, wow, like this is, you know, this is what it can be like when you're around people who are quite like forward thinking about this sort of stuff and they do their own kind of looking into it and also like again going back to that living unapologetically sort of thing and and kind of trying to walk away a little bit from these feelings of guilt and shame that you typically might associate with SDIs it's it's been like a really quite quite a healing experience and just so much of that has actually come from taking into something positive for positive people resources where it's like yeah this is not something that like I have to carry around like awful baggage it's not something that's wrong with me it's just something that's a part of me and the right people will kind of work with me on it and find different ways to do things if that's what works for us and seeing that happen like in real time has just been it's been amazing to be honest with you yeah uh, thank you for that share. Thank you for the shout out too. Uh, what I'm hearing in this is that you had needs. You went into an environment where the potential for you getting your needs met was higher. And the odds of you asking for what you needed in that setting, that environment, and then getting it are significantly higher than if you were to ask for just smooches and cuddles at like a vanilla bar like if you were to go to a bar yeah. club and you know meet someone that way like you, you just want smooches and cuddles ew like what's wrong with you and for multiple people that's gross Ugh. but this same person would probably have sex with you without a condom in the bathroom yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> but uh what that speaks to is it's not enough to just ask for what you want it's also a matter of also looking at where you're asking for it from who you're asking for it from because so many people I feel I, I've understood over time are like no one's gonna want to have sex with me uh, I'm never gonna have sex again I'm never going to be able to get a thing that I want and I've seen that people you know I'll share like hey you can go to this place and get what you want or ask for what you need and people usually just don't I don't have any different I don't have a real reason as to why but the environment the environment of where we make our ask is so important too um someone told me like if you like anime you need to go to anime conventions and like that's going to probably be where you meet someone with that compatibility and I was like wow I, I mean I've thought about it but I don't know it is it, putting yourself out there in the situation to get what you want sometimes is scarier than just going through the process of being like, nope, what I want isn't out there. Because yep. then you put yourself in position to, you know, want what you want, ask for what you want, and then not potentially get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. Because you're kind of, you're like, you're, you're stopping yourself before you start then. And that may, like, be getting in your own way sometimes, but also it, it, it reduces the potential to come into contact with rejection I suppose but then it also means that you've completely reduced your chances of 
coming into contact with acceptance as well and and you know the pleasure that could go with it so it's it's definitely a double-edged sword really isn't it like that big time yeah um all right so we talked about your story we talked a lot about identities neurodivergence uh kink and bdsm and I kind of want to go back to that. I kind of want to just go back to the kink BDSM part because I think that someone listening to this who might have been historically heterosexual monogamous may hear kink and BDSM and think exclusively, you know, whatever their defaults are. And I want to point out how similar this is to herpes because before getting herpes, people probably had their own assumption about what it meant. So now before stepping into the kink and BDSM space, people might have their own perceptions about what those people look like, what they do, who they are. And it's really not something you can ever understand until you have exposure to it. Same thing with herpes. Like we have become experts at Google searching things (laughs) about herpes. And I think that it's the same, you know, parallel with kink and BDSM. If it's something that you're interested in and curious about, then you can just start, you know, and allow for yourself to be curious and explore what the possibilities are that exist in that space. Yeah. No, absolutely. There's there's so much to it and there's so many different ways that you can take it. Like I think typically sometimes people from the outside looking in think, you know, BDSM and kink is all about getting tied up and getting beat up and that's the kind of like the pinnacle of it really which you know it can be great fun um but there's also kind of all these other elements to it that like it's about kind of learning a person um both kind of like learning yourself if you're kind of exploring what you're into and also kind of from mostly from experience but from like a kind of like a dominant sort of point of view like learning other people and learning what makes them tick um, and learning what pushes their buttons like it can be stuff that is so kind of simple almost you know like we can overcomplicate what these ideas of kink and BDSM are in our head from the outside looking in but actually when you're from the inside looking out like it's it's so broad you know it's such a broad spectrum like being neurodivergent and like how you can approach you know being herpes positive and how you can approach different ways of having sex and intimacy it's the same with kink and bdsm really and it's just yeah it's just figuring out what kind of pushes your buttons really and then finding out the kind of the best frameworks to um do that from within you know like the different kind of forms of like risk aware consensual kink and then but there's quite a few acronyms that you can kind of approach it from the point of view of um so you know having educating yourself a little bit around the frameworks from within which you want to operate is um, always kind of advised and you know consent's like a consistent practice it's not something that you you get once and someone says yes and then you have access to all of them all the time you know so it's something that that learning those things and practicing those things consistently um, can then kind of lead to experimenting and finding more you know when you go into it so it's um yeah, it's a very playful thing to be able to do, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I I think that we've, we've touched on enough. Um, and if people are more curious about kink and BDSM, then I invite you to um, 
visit www.spfpp.org. Um, you can make a donation or you can join the Patreon page and then uh, you'll have access to more of this like in-depth stuff from like personal experiences and how kink and BDSM can be useful. You're also invited to go and just browse through the episodes or go through the social media posts as well as kids said was useful to them. So uh, those are options as well. But uh, yeah, I think that this is a really good place for us to close out, wrap up. How are you feeling about this? Feeling pretty good. It's been really nice to kind of talk about it with someone who, you know, has the kind of outlook and the, in- and the information and the knowledge and the experience that you do and to kind of be able to talk about that together. It's been um, quite an enriching experience, actually. It's really, really, really nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for reaching out and being willing to share your experience, Kit. Um, I appreciate you. And I had I didn't know you were 26. I thought you followed me for a while. Like, I, I remember really? the hula hoops, like, for a, at least pandemic, maybe, starting point? That's, that sounds about right, actually. I think I've been following you for quite a while now. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I had no idea. It's been a good journey. <laughs> wow. um okay well i'll let you go um i appreciate you being here i can't say it enough and then uh we'll touch base i'll let you know when this is going to release it'll be july when it's out yeah that's cool that's that sounds good thank you thanks for holding space to have this conversation it's been amazing thank you thank you appreciate you yeah i appreciate you wicked all right that concludes this episode of something positive for positive people please like rate review share subscribe to and donate to something positive for positive people i am on social media at courtney brame underscore so uh, that's tiktok which i'd loathe and then it's also instagram Uh, you can support our efforts to continue to fight for the integration of these post diagnosis live support experiences into std prevention programs as well as sex education um but that that's really what my big focal points are um and again go and check out the link in the show notes so that you can check out shameless care and you can get your at home free sti tests or uh, i keep saying free you can get your at home sti test it is not free all right let me stop doing that all right y'all i'll catch y'all next time Thank you.